Hey, listener, this is Jimmy Pardo from the award-winning podcast, Never Not Funny. You are listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Turn up! Hello there, I'm PF. This is my tape recorder. Coming up... Does Ryan Singer have an X-File? girl I dated who was a shapeshifter. Something that she had no control of, though it's not something that she considers to be a superpower. We'll hear more from Ryan in a little bit. Also, a wacky song parody. Also, a brand new song from Mike Travers about his hometown. But first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. Apple Chief Executive Tim Cook has jetted into China for talks with that government as he seeks to clear up a pile of problems in the firm's biggest growth market, from his contested iPad trademark to treatment of local labor. Mr. Cook's visit included talks on Monday with Beijing's mayor, a visit to one of Apple's two stores in the capital, and the debut of Cook's new one-man show, Mike Daisy is Full of Representative Bobby Rush, Democrat Illinois, was escorted off the U.S. House floor this week for wearing a hoodie as he protested the shooting of Trayvon Martin. The lawmaker called for a full investigation into the death of Trayvon, a Florida teenager who was shot last month by a neighborhood watch volunteer. House leadership said the attire was not appropriate and that Representative Rush looked like he was up to no good, which really describes every member of Congress, really, regardless of dress. President Obama found himself in the midst of two separate controversies after some open mic comments were made by him earlier this week. The first was about nuclear arms negotiations with Russian President Dmitry Medved. The second open mic comment was at a Democratic fundraiser and was directed at the GOP. These statements were much more controversial than the president's previous open mic remarks about the deal with little bags of peanuts on Air Force One. Greedy Wunzlers have stolen a 300-pound bronze sculpture of the Lorax from the San Diego yard of Dr. Seuss's widow, according to news reports. The statue, one of two made by Audrey Geisel's daughter, was last seen Saturday afternoon in the mansion's garden. According to the police report, the statue had stood in the garden for years, but suddenly, shockingly, it disappeared. Over the walls, the criminals climbed. Into the yard, they were in no time. No, not a witness to their terrible crime. The gardener got the police on the line. What else did they steal, asked the inquisitive cop. Said the gardener, the statue, a bleeble and blop. See, Dr. Seuss liked to make up words when he couldn't find any more that rhymed. A Cuban soccer player apparently has defected in Nashville, Tennessee, where Olympic qualifying games were being held this past week. The Tennessean newspaper reports. WZTV reported later that day that two people affiliated with the Cuban Olympic soccer team say Yasmel de Armas defected while the team was in Nashville for an Olympic qualifying game. Said de Armas, I hope to make millions and millions of dollars playing soccer in America. At which point authorities took him aside and said, uh, yeah, about that. Should Jane Fonda's past be held against her? Jane Fonda's publicist has confirmed this week that the actress is in talks to tackle the role of Nancy Reagan in the film The Butler, which focuses on the true life story of Eugene Allen, an African-American man who worked as a butler in the White House from 1952 to 1986. Fox News reports that the casting of Hanoi Jane as a Republican First Lady is causing a firestorm of controversy among the dozens of people who give a crap about either Jane Fonda or Nancy Reagan, and among those who are shocked that black folks were actually allowed into the White House before 2008. And that's been Fake News with me. I had a lot of ideas for the bit this week. 
Um, some were mostly of a political nature, and I promised you guys I wouldn't go political on you every week. And then I thought maybe a song parody would be more to your liking. And then I thought, wow, what a wonderful teaching moment this would be. And now uh, you may or may not know this, but in comedy circles, uh, song parodies are kind of looked down upon. But what people don't understand is that song parodies need to follow the same structure as any other you know, comedy sketch or joke or stand-up routine or anything. I mean, it's got to be solid setups and punchlines, and uh, it's got to be, you know, funny in, in those respects. That's hold up to the same standards as any other kind of comedy vehicle, if you will. Now, uh, Jimmy Pardo, friend of the podcast, uh, on his uh, podcast, Never Not Funny, they often will start, you know, uh, just riffing off the top of their head just to be silly, some, you know, song parody. And then the Jimmy will always say, see, it's easy to write a song parody. And I love Jimmy, but he's wrong. He's completely wrong. Because as Bono of U2 once said, it's easy to write a song, it's hard to write a good song. And that's probably an urban legend because I can't find anywhere Bono ever saying that. But the sentiment is exactly right. It's hard to write a good song, parody or otherwise. So uh, writing a good song parody does take a lot of work. Uh, ask one Al Yankovic. I mean, oh, now that we have YouTube and the internet and everything, everybody's Weird Al Yankovic. But, you know, people had 30 years to be Weird Al and nobody could do it. You know, he does a, a very good job. You have to have a, you know, a, a, a fair amount of talent for this thing. Okay. So as a comedy writer, I've penned a few song parodies in my day. Uh, you know, when you listen to Mad Men and Bongo in the morning and they play a wacky song parody, they probably didn't write or produce it. It was likely done by what we call a prep service. And these are outfits from which DJs buy skits and fake commercials and song parodies and so on. Now, when I wrote for the Gary Burbank show, uh, those were done in-house. We would write the song parodies, fax them in to the studio, and then uh, Rob and Duke and Gary and the whole BBC brain trust would decide, you know, what was going to get produced and what wasn't. So those were actually done locally, but uh, most of the time they are not. The process is the same, though. What you would do is you would kind of go through the paper and you wouldn't set out to write a song parody, per se. At least I didn't. I was just looking to write something funny for that day, be it a phone call or a fake skit. Uh, fake commercial or something like that. And sometimes a song parody would just present itself. Uh, like this week, we had the uh, JetBlue pilot, unfortunately, that kind of uh, uh, lost it a little bit on the plane. That would take him off the plane. And, of course, I immediately figured, oh, you know, he's freaking on a jet plane and then leaving on a jet plane. You know where I'm going, don't you? Okay. So that's what I came up with. And I just uh, came up with what I would call the um, radio prep service version. And usually the radio prep services only do a verse and a chorus, just so you get the idea. Whereas on the the Burbank show, we would usually do at least two verses and two choruses, and maybe the whole song. It was particularly hilarious, uh, which this one is not, I assure you. But um, if you don't like the parody, feel free to laugh at the awful singing. Um, but here is Freaking on a Jet Plane. It's only the verse and chorus, so you don't have to suffer through too much. Plane is boarded, we're at the gate. Head is foggy, don't feel too great. Something's wrong, my head is just not right. I go ballistic, it's quite a show. People take cell phone video. They're going to have to take me off this flight. I'm kicking and screaming too Not sure why I came unglued Get me in a chokehold till I stop Cause I'm a freaking on this jet plane So bad I have to be restrained Someone call the cops 
I think you're possibly the worst singer in the world based on that performance. And I'm absolutely serious. I've never, ever heard anything like that in my life. Yes, yes, we covered that in episode 29. I, I, I'm an awful singer. But it's kind of funny, right? And uh, back to the song parody itself, you know, that's a couple hours of work, and it's just okay. So, you know, again, song parodies take a little more work uh, than you might think, and a lot of people do enjoy them. Not sure why they're the province of nerds and so forth, because that seems to be uh, uh, kind of a generalization stereotype kind of thing with song parodies. But, you know... You know, I like them, a good one, you know, just like anything else. You know, if it's funny, it's funny. And I uh, hope you enjoyed that. But now we're going to move on to our big interview. Ryan Singer is yet another comedian from the Cincinnati area who's making a name for himself nationally. Now based in Los Angeles, he's been featuring for the likes of Mark Marin, Jackie Cation, and Henry Phillips. This April 5th through 8th, Ryan will be recording a brand new CD at Go Bananas Comedy Club in Cincinnati, Ohio. Here now is our interview with Ryan Singer. All right, joining us on PF's Tape Recorder, it's Ryan Singer. Ryan, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. Thanks Good. for having me. So uh, you're out on the road. Where are you exactly? Tulsa, Oklahoma right now. Tulsa, Oklahoma. And playing the, what, Yuck Yucks in Tulsa? It's actually called a Looney Bin. The Looney, Looney Bin. Bin. I was close. I was gonna... Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, uh, and who are you performing with? Who's the, who else is on the bill? Uh, the headliner is John Wesley Austin. And okay. the MC is a guy named Bill Russ. Okay. So, it's a fun show, fun weekend. Sounds good, sounds good. And uh, you're based in Los Angeles now, eh? Yeah, uh, moved out there last June, end of June, early July of last year, moved out there. Okay. And uh, now I'm curious, because I've heard some other guys talking about this just the other day, I think, on, uh, it might have been David Feldman's podcast, why Los Angeles uh, instead of New York? Well, for me, it was a question of I knew more people in Los Angeles. Aha. Uh-huh. I think I had better connections just to make my transition easier. I've lived there many times before, so I'm very familiar oh, okay. with it. Yeah. Um, and the weather oh, yeah. uh, is also a definite plus. Um, so, and I also do a lot of writing uh, my own, make my own web series. Right. I try to write television, movie, that kind of stuff, sketch. So. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering, because um, I was going to say, you probably are going to be involved in other things out there besides just stand-up, and they say that's really the way to do it. If you're strictly going to do stand-up, you want to go to New York, but if you're going to do stand-up and anything else, you probably want to go to Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, everybody has their own method of, uh, or their own path, but it's definitely, for me, I thought it was just uh, the particular details of the differences between the two places lended itself to be uh, better for me than the East Coast. I was very close to actually moving to New York this past time, but oh. uh, ended up not pulling the trigger on that. Yeah, Los Angeles does seem a lot more appealing than New York, like you said, weather-wise. Yeah, but a lot of the a lot of the comedians from Southern Ohio, whether it's the Cincinnati area, have been uh, migrating to New York City the last uh, couple of years. Yes, friend so, of the podcast, so, Mark Shalafu, uh, amongst them. Yeah, definitely, and there's. So there's more there's more guys I came up with in New York. Um, there's nobody I came up with in Los Angeles. So it's uh, kind of I'm kind of this orphan, comedic orphan out there. But um, so it's a little bit different in that way for me. But like you said, you know, you seem to move in the uh, the circles of uh, uh, the Mark Marin, Jimmy Dore, that kind of you know 
that kind of arm of the Los Angeles comedy galaxy. And uh, those guys seem to have their fingers in a lot of pies. Yeah, I actually just met Jimmy for the first time. Well, actually, not the first time. I met him when he was at Go Bananas a couple years ago. Um, but, but yeah, the Mark Marin, I've been fortunate enough to, you know, uh, work with him on the road a bunch. So we've become friends through that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, and then there's, you know, some other, some other people I kind of run around. I've, I've been kind of semi adopted by a lot of the San Francisco guys okay. uh, out in Los Angeles. So I kind of run around with some of them and, um, I'm still kind of not a not a loner, but I still definitely sense I still have that kind of identity to me. Yeah, uh, at least to myself and my own brain, I'm still kind of this. You know, I don't want to say lone wolf, but uh, <laughs> I'm still kind of floating around by myself a lot of the time when yeah. I'm out there. Be like Lenny and get yourself a jacket with a big L on the back. Oh, <laughs> um, now, speaking of Marin, uh, you inherited a bed, sort of, uh, from him. Oh, I got so lucky, dude. I was sleeping on a mattress. It was a king-size mattress, sure, yeah. but it was about 13 years old. Uh, and it was just in the room when I moved in. Ew. Um, and it was busted. I mean, but it was just on the floor. So it was just a king-size mattress on the floor. So I'd been sleeping on that for about seven months when I'd been home, uh, which wasn't a lot. I haven't spent a lot of time at home. But... Uh, so I now have a bed that's off the ground. All right. I've only slept on maybe a handful of times. Um, wow. So it's like kind of a new bed, only been slept on maybe four or five times ever. Oh, wow. Uh, it's girly. Yeah. It's definitely a girl bed, <laughs> um, but it's queen size and it's comfortable. So I, I, I'm not really concerned about the frame so you, uh, being a girl's frame. So you really have gone Hollywood. Yes, I really, I really off have. The floor. I'm wearing women's jeans right now. I'm uh, sleeping <laughs> on a girl's bed. All right. Um, now, being that you uh, are kind of based in the West Coast now and you're playing out there in Tulsa, I've noticed, you know, writing for uh, City Beat in Cincinnati and City Pages in Minneapolis, a lot of the same comics tend to come to both Minneapolis and Cincinnati. But when I occasionally write for places like Salt Lake City or Houston, it seems like they have a whole different string of guys that come through, some I've never even heard of, which is weird. Um, it, does it just t- tend to work like that where you, you tend to find yourself just kind of going into the same clubs over the course of a, a year, year and a half? And Yeah, I think there's definitely, there's definitely a regional aspect to stand-up comedy, especially at the level of someone who's, for the most part, completely unknown like myself. There's, um, like Minneapolis and Cincinnati are connected because they're, they're not all that far away. From each other. I mean, it's not the yeah. other side of the country. Yeah, um, it's Midwest, so. Yeah, so there's there's definitely a sensibility of um, a lot of the Cincinnati comedians know the Minneapolis comedians. Uh, so a lot of Houston comics know the comics that are out west in Austin, or like you said, like the Salt Lake area, um, and other places like that. There's definitely different runs and different regional bookers who book different parts of the country. Um, so it's easy to get kind of, well, not easy, but if you get kind of into that Gulf Stream, yeah. you know, of that region, you can kind of just keep, you know, you can make a living and then, you know, work on your act and then that's kind of where you come up. Uh-huh. Um, so the city you come up in becomes the area, becomes the region. Uh, and then look, and if you're lucky enough, you, you go nationwide and then overseas and all that kind of stuff. 
Now, speaking of the other stuff that you're working on, you said you have the web series. It's, uh, let me see, help me out. It's Carl, uh, he's the Monster Hunter. Yeah, I did a couple seasons of Carl Treadway, the seventh no, no, Monster yeah, Hunter. Yeah, I enjoyed those. Oh, thanks, thanks. Uh, you were one of 78 people who enjoyed that web series <laughs> online, it turns out. Um, so I did a couple seasons of the Carl Treadway. Uh, I did about a season and a half of the Studebaker Pie. Um, I did, uh, then I did another web series with a friend of mine uh, who came in and shot it with lights and a, and a decent camera. Oh, okay. Things like, called Me and My Dolls, which is probably the weirdest one. <laughs> uh, but Carl Treadway is probably my favorite character I've come up with so far. Um, I definitely plan on doing more stuff with that character because it's just fun to play with. Yes. Uh, the concept of him. And uh, I'm trying to actually write a screenplay for, for Carl Treadway right now, oh, like cool. a full-length feature. Yeah, because he's kind of twisted. He's a kind of dark, but he's still accessible, and it's about kind of a cool topic that you could seem to, you know, really go anywhere with. Oh, it's yeah, still, you definitely can go. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, there are so many different monsters or weird things to that can fall into his world. Yeah. Um, they, don't, they don't even have to be make-believe or what people consider to be make-believe. You know, they could yeah. be... They could be anything, uh, whether it's the Federal Reserve or the <laughs> Boogeyman. You know, it's there's always a monster out there that uh, Carl could be trying to fight against or hunt down. That reminds me, you were doing that show for a while with uh, was it? <coughs> I want to say Tom Simmons. Tom and, Simmons and Billy Wayne Davis yeah. did a live. We did a live show called Kooks. That's right. Where it was about conspiracies and the uh, audience and participation. Fringe, and, yeah, yeah. You guys still doing that? Or, uh, now and then, uh, we or? haven't done a live version of it in a long time. We're actually trying to do a podcast version. Uh, Tom Simmons, myself, and Jared Harris. Okay. Uh, very funny uh, comedian. So we're trying to do trying to launch the podcast version of that. It's just tough when you got three guys who are on the road so much. Yeah. And, uh, uh, Jared and I live in Los Angeles together. Tom lives on the East Coast, so yeah, I thought that so. Becomes more, that becomes more difficult. Yeah. Uh, so it's been kind of we've been trying to do it for a while now, and it's been kind of there's all these different stumbling blocks we've been we've been encountering. So, um, but it's still in the works. We're still hoping to do it, and we're still planning on doing it. We've got a couple things lined up as far as guests, um, which uh, should be some pretty pretty interesting episodes. Uh, I'm trying to get my ex, my um, not ex girlfriend, the girl I dated, who was a shapeshifter. Yes, yes. Of, um, she, as of now, is um, not on board with being interviewed. So okay. Um, I've I've tried her a couple times to see if she would acquiesce and and end up doing it, but it doesn't. At least as of now, it doesn't seem like she's going to want to be on the show. Um, you know, and she's got her reasons, which I totally understand. So yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I can't blame her. Um. So when when she said she was a shapeshifter, could she do this on command, or was it something that just kind of happened to her? Uh, yeah, it was something that she had no control over. Oh, wow. So yeah, so it's not something that she considers to be a superpower. Right, it's right. Something she kind of considers to be a burden and a almost like a curse, I guess. Hmm. And it, did she change into other like like a different looking person, or was it in could she in other objects? No, she couldn't. She wasn't a shapeshifter in the sense of a, like a Native American lore. Uh, where she could turn into a hawk or a fox or something like that, okay. um, or a wolf. But she did change her physical appearance as a person. Um, she appeared as another person one time that I that I witnessed, and she appeared as a different version of herself another time, a pregnant hmm. version of herself another time. Oh, wow. Hmm. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. And I thought you guys were also talking about making this into a TV show at some point as well. Uh, Tom and I have pitched the show uh, a couple different times, so a couple different places. Uh, no one had bid on it. So hmm. uh, we, we definitely tried to sell it as a television show. Yeah. We tried to make it, to me, to me, it's obvious that this is a, there's a place for this, the TV show. Oh, totally. Uh, like a collection pool, kind of like a daily show, but for everything weird. Yeah. Um, and, but the networks, they seem to, or the people we pitch it to, they seem to not understand that, uh, that that show is needed or could be really enjoyable and watched uh, by all the people that watch all these different ghost hunters and all these oh, other yeah, shows. Oh, yeah, exactly. It, to me, it sounds, it's simple. Um, it's easy. Uh, it's, it should, I thought it was going to be an easy sell, but of course, you know, what do I know? I've tried to sell a couple of TV shows now that I thought were slam dunks. But, yeah. Um, of course, I mean, you got to hope you think they're slam dunks because they're your idea, or why would you even be trying to sell them if you didn't think they were great? Right. And of course, the one you'll sell will be someone to come up to you and say, hey, that one thing in your act, we want to make a show out of that. <laughs> I'm just yeah, just and I'll be like, over. oh, that thing, I don't even really like it yeah. that much. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? Now, for folks who haven't seen uh, your act, it d- doesn't really involve the conspiracy of the paranormal. It's kind of a, uh, what I would call, a kind of a goof fest. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's silly. It's, it's kind, of a, a kind of a controlled wackiness, I would say. Okay, that's an interesting description. I think, yeah. uh, I think that's true. I think this, um, this upcoming weekend I'm really excited about for At Go Bananas because it's a new album I'm trying to record. Um, and I think there is a definite evolution in the type of comedy that you're talking about, like the Goof yeah. Fest is turning into, it's not turning, in, it's kind of going from goof, controlled goof to um, controlled uh, awe. I don't know if that makes like A-W-E. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if that makes sense because I've kind of come into this period of life where I realize just how lucky I am to not to have been born in this age. Uh-huh. Um, oh, okay. I see. Um, because, you know, I don't know how to do anything. Um, <laughs> I have no practical skill set. Um, I hear you. Um, if everything disappeared, I could not rebuild any of it. That's so um, weird you say that because I look around at people and I think you know, people in the community and I see people at our church and everything. I think like, you know, if there was some kind of disaster like like uh, Last Babylon, you know, where the, the, the Russians attacked and everything, everything, whose skills would be valuable and whose wouldn't? You know, and these people that work on Wall Street and push numbers around, useless. You yeah, know? they're or, outside the cave. Yeah, or my, or my kid's pediatrician, maybe my, my brother-in-law, the architect, he's got some sound skills. My, my nephew, the uh, engineering student, we mm-hmm. totally need him. So he has a very valuable skill set. But me, I'm, I'm pretty useless too. Yeah, it's it's funny because I've, I, I don't know when I came to this realization. I, it, it started happening slowly but surely a couple of years ago. But it's it's amazing to me. Like I, I just – because I actually have a joke that talks just about like exactly what you were just saying now about like the architect, the teacher, the farmer, the, you know, the doctor. Yeah. And it's like comedian. It's like you're not needed. But um, because, of, you know – a, doc- a doctor or a teacher or an engineer, they can be funny sometimes, you know, but we can't be, a, you know, doctor sometimes. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's funny. So it's, you know, and they say laughter is the best medicine, but I don't think anyone really wants to put that to the test <laughs> uh, in a serious situation. No. You know? a, a dick joke's not going to stop your appendix from bursting. No. Might make um, it worse, actually. Yeah, exactly. how good it is, so, yeah. Hey, there's our yeah, series, so, a, 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 some post-apocalyptic thing, and the only people that survive are in this comedy club when it happens. 
And then you got <laughs> you got the doctor. Yeah, that could that actually that's probably that's probably actually a TV show that I could sell. There you go. <laughs> and you came up with it. <laughs> there you go. All um, right. Yeah, I think uh, so. I think now my comedy is kind of this, you know, controlled. Uh, hey, I'm just lucky to be alive. Kind of dissertation, or not dissertation, but uh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's I'm just kind of I'm just baffled, man. I'm just. <laughs> I don't understand or know anything anymore, and it's some you know because some people say the more that they the more that they learn, the less they know. Yeah, yeah, I really like expression. Uh, the more I learn, I, I mean, I don't know. I I know zero anymore. I just I don't have any any idea how anything the simplest things. I don't even know how they how they even came into existence. I'm thank God other people did all this stuff. Yeah, I know. Because, um, <laughs> oh, nowhere to begin. Yeah, exactly. So. That's kind of where my comedy is right now, and it's it's kind of in this place of trying to really understand the age I'm living in, and just trying to you know com- you know do some commentary on that, and you know and what's also happening in in my personal life and stuff like that. Maybe a little more of that is coming out. Well, it seems to be working out uh, pretty well for you. Yeah, I mean it's you know it's so weird because you never know how people perceive you or your career, or how things are going. So even on like the darkest days uh, that I'm, I may that anybody experiences in their own brain from the outside, people will be like, "Oh man, I'd love to have that dude's life," or, or that you know, that lady's got it got it made. But you know, you never know what they're going through. So sometimes I I just have to remind myself like, "Hey, I'm regardless of how bad it's getting or how bad I, I feel about something, it's yeah, I'm definitely I'm no position to complain." about anything really considering the life that i have yeah and uh, it is pretty great and, and it's moving in the right direction it seems so That's yeah I, I i hope so yeah i just the older i get the more panic and uh just keep panicking and and, and just have this fear that i'm not doing enough so i think everybody has that fear though i mean you could be it could be old pf down here at single a still with the <laughs> still with the other minor leaguers going up to the open mic knocking them out there but um yeah 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 so you know it's just it's all relative i guess well uh, enjoy yourself there in oklahoma sir cool man i appreciate it all right uh, yeah i'm looking forward to uh i'm looking forward to the weekend at go bananas it's always so much fun coming home there yes. and and uh i think we're all gonna go to a place called comedy Wondertown. that's my goal <laughs> all right nothing bad happens in comedy Wondertown. All right, Ryan. Well, we'll see you in Cincinnati next week. We'll link to everything on the Podbean page so everyone can find all your stuff on the Internet there. And uh, we'll see you in town next week. Cool. Thanks, P.F. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Thanks again to Ryan Singer for being on the podcast. You can find all things Ryan at ryansingercomedy.com. Now, many of you may remember Mike Travers for some hilarious songs he's favored us with, such as Stepdaughter, My Girlfriend, and Minimum Wage, along with Andy Hawk of Andy Hawk and the Trainwreck Endings. Mike's got a brand new song out. It's getting a lot of buzz in his hometown. It's about his hometown, but I think folks everywhere can enjoy it. Uh, the song is called Pittsburgh. Here it is. Not from Pittsburgh If you don't have at least one pirate joke Have an uncle with a sweet mustache Or know at least ten girls that smoke 
not from Pittsburgh If you've never skied at Seven Springs Or got into an argument With somebody about your six rings You're not from Pittsburgh If you've never been stuck in front of a tunnel Or followed the green belt All the way to Kennywood so you could have a funnel Cake, potato patch, fries Pick the red one on the racer Cause it always wins Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh I love you Pittsburgh 446 bridges here And Yin's got the best people there you're not from Pittsburgh If you've never grabbed a girl in Noah's Ark Or attended a rehearsal dinner That was being held at Eaton Park You're not from Pittsburgh If you've never been on Carson Street having fun Walked across a bridge to a game Or called a town little Washington Poor little Washington Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh I love you Pittsburgh Penguins, Pirates and the Stillers Wiz Khalifa and Mac Miller You're not from Pittsburgh If you've never taken a visitor on the incline Cruise the rivers on the Gateway Clipper Or complained about the offensive line The quarterback, the goalie, Phil Sims And every referee Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh I love you Pittsburgh 446 bridges here And Yen's got the best people there Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Thanks again to Ryan Singer and Mike Travers for being on the podcast. Check out our page on Podbean or Orgasm for the relevant links for this episode. Speaking of which, we are on a new podcasting network of sorts called Orgasm. That's A-U-R-A-L-G-A-S-M. And you can find that at Orgasm.org. We were chosen from about 100 other podcasts to be one of the 12 charter shows for that website. So that's kind of exciting. Uh, we joined some great shows, including the Podcats with Danny Katz. You may know him as the intern from the Jimmy Pardo show, Never Not funny. There's the Paul Goebel show. He's Mr. Television, and he's often on David Feldman's comedy podcast, as well as Feldman's KPFK radio program in Los Angeles. Hoot Nanny, where comics talk about music with other comics, and Decibel, a heavy metal discussion show. I'm trying to get to the rest of the podcast there on Orgasm. Great stuff. Check out our fellow casters there, if you will. Ryan Singer is at Go Bananas April 5th through 8th in Cincinnati, recording a CD, so uh, check that out. Jeff Tate, friend of the podcast, is at MOTR, or Motor Pod in Cincinnati recording a DVD and CD. That is April 2nd through 4th. Again, all the relevant links will be at the Podbean page or the Orgasm page. Like us on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at PF66. PF Tape Recorder logo by Dan Coble. Follow him at Tigerdactyl on Twitter he is. Music by John Veropoulos and Doug O'Connor with a little help from me. Again, links galore at pfradio.podbean.com or at orgasm.org forward slash listen forward slash PF Tape Recorder. Uh, Other than that, all I have to say is so long and thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.